welcome to yet another special episode of The Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. I'm JT, and as always, I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, folks, I'm sure you know what this means. If I'm doing another episode, obviously, I've got some more monolith news. I've had some great articles passed to me, and I also found a few really good articles online, so we're going to make sure that we cover those over for you. If you're having a bit of monolith burnout, I'm sorry, but I made a promise that I'd keep covering this. And trust me, folks, I've got other things to do for the show and in life in general. I haven't done much besides really explore monolith articles, read them on the air, and <laughs> make posts about monoliths. But again, folks, look, I'm a bit old school. If somebody asks me to cover something and I promise you I will do it, then I'm going to do it, all right? Yep, I'm sure soon enough the monolith craze will abate and we'll be on to other things. But in the meanwhile, my friends, if you send them through and you ask me to cover it, I'm going to cover it. So, the first article I've got here was sent to me by Unexplained Researcher on Instagram. And I've got a link in the show notes so you can go over there and check out Unexplained Researcher's page. I appreciate you sending me the article. And this article is from iflscience.com. And this one says, Racists and an artistic stunt. The mystery of the monoliths ends in a very 2020 way. Well, folks, if you think it's the end, stand by. It's pretty on brand for 2020 for an already weird story about a mystery monolith to get ruined by racists. Multiple monoliths, yes, pedants, have fun one last time pointing out monoliths are made of stone while everyone else uses it, uses it as an easy shorthand continue to pop up around the world, but mainly in the U.S. Aliens, or the likely actual culprits, which we'll get to later, appear to be getting lazy on week two of their scheme, with the latest monolith being plonked unceremoniously on the sidewalk in the suburbs of West Jordan, Utah. And looking at this monolith, folks, it does look very similar to the one that turned up in the desert. Even though the story, which has been a fun distraction from, gestures vaguely in the direction of 2020, has been fizzling out. A right-wing group couldn't help themselves but ruin it on the final stretch. Yeah, folks, and that was uh, in the last episode, monolith morons that I covered these supposed men, which are more like preschoolers, and their lynching of the monolith in California. In a video posted to Streamable, a group of young men chant, Christ is King, Christ is King, as they tear down the California monolith and put up a wooden cross. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. Again, got to watch those uh, space Mexicans. They're a rough sort. They might uh, try and feed you some space tacos or teach you some space Spanish. The leader of the group says to the camera, so let's tear this shit down. Throwing in a little homophobia, one of them wearing a Make America Great Again headband. Yep, bent over that. In a separate video, one man claimed to have driven five hours for the trip while addressing his viewers using racist commentary. Again, folks, we've covered that over, so we're just going to skip through. Meanwhile, it looks like the monolith mystery is over. Well, again, just, you know, stay tuned. And it's probably exactly the solution you'd expect. The first monument has been up since 2015-16 and is most likely the work of Suplex Agency and an artist local to Utah who have since deleted posts of similar-looking monoliths from their social media feeds. The later monoliths are likely copycats. However which have been placed very recently, given their locations and how they were all found in one big rush. It now looks like the, the makers of the monuments are coming out of the metalworks and seeking credit for their work. Matty Moe, who calls himself the most famous artist, 
posted photos of the monolith on his website, alongside other stunts of his, such as the time he collaborated to change the Hollywood sign to read Hollyweed. Though there isn't 100% proof, he is claiming credit on Instagram, alongside images of new monoliths, which he's selling for a hefty $45,000, and a render of the monolith's design. So his post here says, uh, Checking in, any collectors interested in an official alien monolith? Asking 45K. Includes documentation and signed TMFA. And then he's got a bit of a, like a blueprint design of the monolith that was supposedly the one in Utah. So apologies to everybody. The fun story about alien monoliths is now just a story about a stunt that got ruined in the end by racist. Not cool, 2020. Well, that's only the first article, my friend, so you might want to hang around to see what else is up in the monolith world. Now, my friends, this next article is a bit of breaking news as far as I'm concerned because I haven't seen it anywhere else. So thank you very much to my very special Texas correspondent, Adriana and Nico. I really appreciate you sending this through. Now, this one is from KSAT.com, which is one of the San Antonio local stations. And this one says, Monolith Rage comes to San Antonio with mysterious figure on North Side. So, you know, I'm just wondering if they had to pay to get into the Monolith Rage. If you can go in or if it's monoliths only, it is quite interesting terminology there that they've said Monolith Rage. I can just picture these monoliths smashing car windows or something. Or, you know, just dubstepping there in the, uh, in the abandoned uh, factory or something where they're having this rage party. People, news crews flock to site Friday morning. So this is definitely breaking news, my friends. San Antonio. First, a mysterious monolith figure was spotted in Utah, then Romania, then California, and now San Antonio. Social media images show the Alamo City's version of the odd figure located on the north side, tucked on a street in the back of the San Antonio International Airport. It is situated outside of Can Opener Labs, a business located in the 1200 block of Safari. The silver monolith first appeared on Thursday night, and by Friday morning, news crews had flocked to the site, according to employees with Can Opener Labs. It is made of wood but spray-painted silver to look similar to the metal objects seen elsewhere that have taken social media by storm. And looking at it, folks, yeah, I can, I'm glad that they pointed that out because it looked like a really kind of poorly polished uh, aluminum. But it is, yeah, you can definitely see that it's a wooden plank. Amid a chaotic and otherwise depressing year, the towering figures have offered a literal bright spot in a sea of gloomy headlines. To get in on the rage, the San Antonio Spurs and the San Antonio Zoo also created their own fake sightings of the three-sided, ten-foot-tall figures. On Tuesday, the Silver and Black posted an image of the Spurs coyote and a Photoshop figure on the court. New mysterious monolith appears in San Antonio after Utah One vanishes. Yeah, that's pretty good, folks. I might add that to the social media. Animals at the zoo got in on the fun on Friday when the zoo posted an image with hippos near the towering figure. It seems aliens are just as interested in hippos as we are, zoo officials joke. The first monolith appeared on November the 23rd deep in the Mars-like landscape of Utah's Red Rock Desert. After it vanished, a similar structure was spotted days later in northern Romania, perched atop a hill. Another towering structure popped up and then quickly vanished at the Pine Mountain Trail in Atascadero Park, halfway between San Francisco and L.A. That's the one that got lynched, folks, from the uh, monolith morons. Yeah, good old Edis Cadero. I do feel sorry for those people. They had, now that one wasn't really doing any harm. It was on a mountain. I could understand the motivations a bit more of the people who took down the one in Utah. 
because they didn't want to ruin the environment. But the one in Addis Cadero seemed to just be on the top of a mountain, and I really didn't see any harm. And of course, uh, those ass wipes that tore it down, no, I'm not a big fan already. I'm sure that most of you feel the same way. Thanks for sending those through, my friends. Now, this one here is from the Reno Gazette Journal, and this is one I haven't seen anywhere else, so a bit of a scoop for you, I think. This one is titled, Las Vegas Monolith, The Force Structure to Appear Over the Past Two Weeks. And this is from Ed Cometa, Brett McGinnis, Sarah M. Montezuko, and Brian Alexander. So it took four people to write this article, apparently, my friends. And there's a very nice photo of this monolith. The monolith at the Fremont Street Experience, which appeared Friday morning. Las Vegas, a mysterious monolith has appeared on Fremont Street, the fourth to appear around the world over the past two weeks. Sometime early Friday morning, someone planted the shiny metallic structure under the Fremont Street canopy, according to Fremont Street Experience spokeswoman Cassandra Down. The monolith is not tied to the Fremont Street Experience Company, she said. The three-sided monolith, approximately 10 feet tall, is similar to three others discovered recently in the Utah desert, in Romania and on a hiking trail in Addis Cadero, California. Like those structures, the origin of the Las Vegas edifice is also unknown. And this one is much more like the ones in Utah and California, folks. It's a lot better quality than that Romanian thing. Utah monolith removed by athletes. Revealed publicly shortly before Thanksgiving, a gleaming monolith found deep in the Utah desert drew hundreds of people to a remote Red Rock country to see and touch the otherworldly edifice that evoked both science fiction films and the state's famous land art works. But the newcomers also flattened plants with their cars and left behind human waste in the bathroom-free backcountry. Two men known for extreme sports in Utah's sweeping outdoor landscapes say it was the kind of damage that made them step in late at night and tear it down. And again, I can understand much more why they did it. So everything else in this article, my friends, is a bit of a hashover of everything that's already happened. And I understand why they do that as journalists, because otherwise, there's not a whole lot to tell here when you have a new one show up. But I'm not going to bore you with all of it because we've already been over it multiple times. Now, the next article here for you is from Insider.com. So www.insider.com. And this one is titled, The Hidden Meaning in the Mysterious Monoliths Appearing and Disappearing Around the World. And this is from Alec Racinos. And it is fairly recent, folks. It only came out about eight hours before this, before the recording. For nearly 10 days, the world's hottest art wasn't in New York, Paris, or Los Angeles, but in the desolate Utah desert. On November the 18th, a group of scientists was carrying out what they expected to be a completely routine survey of bighorn sheep in the area when they encountered a strange metal monolith. Almost instantly, their discovery took the world by storm, launching numerous investigations into its origins, countless memes, and even copycat monoliths in Romania and California before the structure was dismantled under the cover of night on November the 27th. Strangely enough, the mysterious object wasn't taken as the work of aliens or evidence of a vast conspiracy, but instead was most commonly seen as a work of art, which was seemingly validated when a prankster art collective took credit for the structure without providing many details. Despite its largely mysterious origins, the monolith has largely been fit into the context of land art, an art movement dating back to the 60s and 70s, where artists expanded the nature of sculpture to create artworks that were intimately tied to their environments and sometimes located in remote landscapes. At first glance, this seems to be an excellent explanation. 
After all, some of the most well-known works of land art, such as Robert Smithson's Spiral Jetty, 1970, and Nancy Holt's Sun Tunnels, 1976, are located in Utah. Dig a bit deeper, however, and this quickly gives way. Though some people made the trek to the desert to see the monolith in person, most of the attention paid to the monolith has taken place online, with individuals reacting to it on the internet and social media. The ideas behind land art cannot account for the frenzy of attention, but turning to the history and techniques of net art can help to illustrate just what it is about the monolith that has enticed so many. Why the monoliths defy land art? Essential to land art was the notion of site specificity, meaning that the artwork was necessarily tied to its particular location, sort of an art version of saying, well, you had to be there. Land art might have spread through images and documentation, but the art itself was focused on creating interventions in the landscape that generated particular experiences in the viewer. However, as the monolith has spread so quickly, not only through the internet, acting as a backdrop for photos and the inspiration for memes from people and corporations alike, but also through the copycat versions in very different environments, it becomes clear that there's nothing site-specific about the monolith that draws our interest. In fact, it's hard to really pinpoint anything specific about the monolith at all. It is nothing more than a plain metal box plopped in the middle of a desert. The vagueness of the monolith mirrors the mystery surrounding it. Until we know for certain who made it and why, an endless number of theories and ideas can circulate, allowing it to tap into anyone and everyone's interests. Here the monolith seems to resemble not so much land art as it does a much more recent form of art making, net art. MTAA's now iconic work, Simple Net Art Diagram, 1997, illustrates how art functions online. The monoliths look more like net art. Born alongside the rise of the internet in the 1990s, net art was a new kind of art that was made in and distributed through the internet. Without the contextualization of the white cube, the standardized space of museums and galleries that separates art from the rest of the world, net art tended to create a kind of accidental audience that might not know that what they were seeing was art. After all, encountering a work of net art was often no different than visiting any other web page, and in many cases, they were indistinguishable. Far from limiting the potential of these kind of works, the lack of contextualization was often seen as a benefit and was explicitly explored by artists who retained a certain sense of indifference as to whether a viewer regarded their work as art or not. The work of artist David Horvitz, for example, has surely been seen by viewers around the world who will never know they are looking at an artwork. In his work Mood Disorder, for example, Horvitz created an image that was intentionally meant to look like a stock image of depression and uploaded it to Wikipedia where it became the photo for the page Mood Disorder and then went on to circulate through numerous other websites who sourced it as a royalty-free image. In the realm of social media, the collective Tumblr blog, The Jogging, similarly explored the ways in which art could captivate people's attention by creating images intended to travel through the internet, divorced from their original understandings and context. No image could be fully understood in and of itself. A MacBook in a bath, a baguette beer koozie, and they were strange and fascinating. As they spread through social media, they became increasingly divorced from their original context, and as meaning moved further out of reach, their lure and appeal only increased. The monolith works in exactly the same way, a bizarre object stripped from any understandable knowledge context. It offers no objective truth to discover, only an open-ended mystery. Far from being a flaw, the monolith's unknowability is the very source of its power, allowing it to act as a sort of lightning rod attracting any and all beliefs and interests. 
It's no mistake that these formerly underground tactics have since become a kind of viral marketing, which in turn explains why so many people have reacted with wariness to the monolith, worrying that it might just be a lead-up to a big ad campaign. As is so often the case with a mystery, reaching a conclusion can only lead to disenchantment. Without its sense of possibility, the monolith is just another strange thing that happened. In a recent New York Times article investigating the Utah monolith's disappearance, the author stopped to wonder, would it lose its aura and power if we knew who had created it? The answer, of course, is yes. And yeah, folks, I fully agree with that. That's part of the mystery is, of course, who made it, why did they make it, and why did they put it there? Yeah, very interesting article there, folks, that goes a bit further into the psychology of the monolith. And as I told you, I'm going to do my best to cover a wide gambit of this stuff, not just give you sightings. So we've got one more article here for you folks, and this is from theconversation.com. This is an Australian publication. And this one says, Mystery Monoliths, Why Conspiracists Are Meh About the Phenomenon, and How You Can Start a Better Conspiracy. This came out today. This is about 12 hours old, folks, so another kind of breaking article for you. The three recent appearances and two subsequent removals of monoliths in Romania, Utah, and California are intriguing examples of what can capture the public's imagination. These constructions are all metallic-looking structures, about three or four meters tall, with a simple geometric design and reflective surface. They'll look familiar to fans of Arthur C. Clarke's Space Odyssey novels, sharing an uncanny resemblance to a monolithic structure pivotal to the story. According to the mystery, the Utah monolith was reportedly in place long before it came to light on November the 18th. While its location wasn't announced, Members of the public found Google Earth images of the object dating back to 2016. So far, no credible source has suggested the structures are a product of alien technology or supernatural influence. And unlike with UFO sightings and Area 51 news, governments have not been accused of a cover-up. So even though Google Trends data shows global search interest in monolith has shot up since the structures were found, they're not yet the subject of widespread conspiracy and a reflection of past similar phenomena suggests they won't be. Intriguing artifacts. The maker or makers of the curious objects are likely still around, but they're not talking. In the meantime, the structures call to mind some major oddities and artifacts from the past, all of which gained considerable fame. Peru's Nazca Lines are one example. These shallow depressions in the rock from around 500 BCE form colossal shapes of animals and plants which, intriguingly, are best observed from the air. The crop circle phenomena may also strike a chord. These complex geometric patterns, which apparently form overnight in fields across the world, have captured imaginations for decades. Both these phenomena have produced exotic accounts claiming to explain them. Some have said the Nazca lines were created to communicate with space travelers. Crop circles, others say, are the product of alien labor meant to send us a message. No one knows why the ancient Peruvians made their lines. Their motivations may be hidden forever. Crop circles, however, are a modern occurrence. And despite claims they couldn't possibly be made by humans, humans make them all the time, often for the enjoyment of their effect on others. Crop circles also drive tourism in certain parts of the world. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Some of them I would agree with that comment, but there are a lot of them that I just don't see people forming, especially when a plane flies over a field, flies back 15 minutes later, and here's this intense geometric pattern that's been created in that time. There's no way in hell that people with boards are going to get that done. I'm just sorry, but that's BS. 
but why are we so easily grabbed by such peculiarities anyway? After all, our lives aren't impacted by them. When things don't make sense, there are many possible reasons people fix their attention on potential oddities and even start believing strange things about them. One is that they short-circuit our sense of how the world works, injecting novelty into an otherwise routine and coherent existence. As the physicist and Nobel laureate Richard Feynman said, the thing that doesn't fit is the most intriguing. The tendency to imagine alternatives and to explain a what-if scenario is the same reason we love reading speculative fiction. If the Nazca lines really were etched to communicate with aliens, and if crop circles really represent alien messages targeted at us, the model of the world in our heads would be flipped. But of course, as the great science communicator Carl Sagan points out, paraphrasing prominent polymath Pierre-Simon Laplace, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. There's nothing to suggest the above phenomena are evidence of anything extraordinary. Again, I'm sorry, but crop circles definitely are in my mind. Another interesting out-of-place artifact is the ancient Antikythera mechanism. This is a seemingly an analog computer once used to predict astronomical positions and events. But perhaps most notorious are the old favorites, Egypt's Great Pyramid of Giza, and the widespread conjecture surrounding its construction, Stonehenge in England, and the enigmatic Easter Island statues. All have been connected to aliens, lost wisdom, or extinct civilizations. In case you need a summer project, when it comes to creating a spectacle worthy of the public's attention, there are some key lessons to be learned from the past successes in making artifacts, including go big. It pays to do something on a large scale, either by making a big artifact or having small ones appear over a very large area. Stay obscure. The meaning of the artifact should remain unclear, or at least allow room for interpretation. It's in these situations of uncertainty that the human imagination can run wild. While the monolith's intent is unclear, they could be explained as art. Reports have pointed to their similarity with artwork by minimalist sculptor John McCracken. And again, we've talked about that. Aesthetics matter. It's nice if the artifact is aesthetically pleasing or interesting. The geometric precision of pyramids and crop circles speaks to significant care and perhaps mathematical sophistication. The monoliths are comparatively basic. Be original. A display that has never been seen before is far more newsworthy. The monoliths are highly derivative of those appearing in Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Be difficult to copy. The monoliths could have been knocked up in a workshop. The wow factor for artifacts usually comes through their appreciation of their complexity or seemingly impossibility of their manufacture. The scale of the Nazca line speak to this, as do potential efforts to construct Giza and Stonehenge. Humans can do amazing things. Whatever the true explanations, most phenomena can be attributed to human ingenuity and a willingness to persevere. Simply, we must ask, 1. Is it likely the means of construction were accessible to humans? 2. Is it likely it served a meaningful purpose for the maker? In most cases, the former is true, although the time and resources required must have been momentous. It is clearly not impossible to build Giza. We probably have to face the fact humans are just very clever and industrious. It's harder to be sure the second point is true, although that doesn't mean it isn't. But every now and then we also like to have fun with artifacts and generate something unique and novel, even if it is for entertainment value alone. Well, folks, there you go. That's another thought pattern on this whole thing. And again, it's definitely seized the world by storm. Lots of people I see online that I've never seen really post much are posting these monoliths. So people are definitely interested in it.
as I say, I felt that article was a bit on the skeptic side. Again, that's fine. But some of these things to just sit there and blanket say, oh, well, these are all explainable. It's all, you know, it's all down to mankind. And we've created a lot of amazing structures and cities and monuments all over the world. Don't get me wrong. However, I have no problem with people saying, hey, maybe there's something more to this. There are a lot of things where you think, why would you spend 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years or more of human endeavor just to build something like a pyramid or to do something like the Nazca Lines? That is not just people popping out in the desert for a weekend and you've got all these hundreds of objects that are massive and can only be viewed from the air properly. Yeah, I just don't buy that all of this is just down to mankind's ingenuity. A lot of it is, don't get me wrong. But there's still some mysteries out there and some things that I feel haven't been properly explained even in this day and age. So with all that having been said, folks, I hope that you have a great weekend. It should be Saturday for most of you when you hear this. For the rest of us, it will be Sunday. Nevertheless, I hope that you enjoy a great weekend with your friends, family, doing the things you love. Enjoy yourself, and if you get a chance and you haven't had time, go back and check out those other monolith episodes because it has literally been a monolith marathon around here at Tower Studios. Again, take care, my friends, and I'll talk to you soon.